All right, get your Bible out. We're going to open up to Ephesians here in just a moment, and then we're going to jump into Matthew. All right, so I hope you've enjoyed going through Matthew this last couple months or month. I don't know how long it's been. It's been helpful for me. I love to go through Matthew every so often and just kind of get refreshed with the words of Jesus, and it does great things in my heart. As I went through this time, a couple things popped out, two verses specifically that really popped out more clearly than any of the others. And so I want to talk about those verses, but before I share with you what the verses are, I want to set the stage to kind of get us in the right mindset working towards these thinkings, okay? So open up to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. And uh, I'm going to be easy on you today. I do have the scriptures up on the board. I'm using this. This is the Kingdom Translation, all right? This is my favorite New Testament translation. It's written by a guy named N.T. Wright, who's a living uh, scholar, great guy in the Christian faith. And basically, he spent years and years and years creating commentary of the New Testament books. And he'd do one book, and, and as he would do commentary on the book, just, just to help with the commentary, he would look at the original Greek, and he would rewrite the scriptures in modern day language that was extremely accurate to the Greek. And so when he got, he, he did commentaries for the whole New Testament. And when he got done, he had no intention of doing anything else with it. But when he got done, the publishers came to him and said, hey, you've basically written your own translation based on the Greek in modern day language. And it's really good. Would you, can you give us permission to compile it into a New Testament? And so he said, yeah, sure. So that's what this is. So it's kind of like the message translation, but it's a lot more accurate to the Greek. But it, it's different, so it kind of throws you off when you read it. Because, you know, some, raise your hand if you ever read a verse and you're like, oh, for God so loved the world. And just like, you know, right? So it kind of shocks you a little bit because it's a little different, all right? So let's look at it together. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6. It says, let us bless God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, the King. He has blessed us in the King with every spirit-inspired blessing in the heavenly realm. Somebody say hallelujah. He has already blessed you with every blessing in the heavenly realm. You already have every blessing in the heavenly realm. Amen? Number four, he chose us in him before the world was made. So as to be holy and irreproachable before him in love. So you were chosen before the earth was created to be in him considered irreproachable because of the gift of righteousness that Jesus gives to you. Isn't that crazy? Number five, he foreordained us for himself to be adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus the king. So he picked you to adopt you as a son or as a daughter. And that's how he wanted it. That's what gave him delight. Number six, so that the glory of his grace, the grace he poured on us in his beloved one, might receive its due praise. Amen? Okay, so just recap that. You already have every blessing in the heavenly realm. You were chosen before the earth was made to be adopted as his child. Amen? He sees you because of the gift of righteousness that Jesus gave to you. He sees you as irreproachable. You have right standing with God. You are with him right now in the heavenly throne. Amen? Okay, let's go on to the next one. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. 18 and 19. You ready? 
Through him, you see, we both have access to the Father in one spirit. This is the result. You are no longer foreigners or strangers. No, you are fellow citizens with God's holy people. You are now members of God's household. All right? So you were picked. And now, currently, right now, today, you are a citizen of heaven. Say, I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm a member of God's house. Amen? Right now, you are a member of God's house. You get to sit around his throne. You get to live in his house because of what Jesus did. Let's go to the next one. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 through 18. It says, the warfare we're engaged in, you see, it isn't against flesh and blood. Say it's not flesh and blood. It's against the leaders, against the authorities, Against the powers that rule the world in this dark age. Against the wicked spiritual elements in the heavenly places. Your battle is in the heavenly places. Amen? Your struggle today is not in the fleshly world. It's in the heavenly places. Okay? 13. For this reason, you must take up God's complete armor. Then, when wickedness grabs its moment, you'll be able to withstand, to do what needs to be done, and still to be on your feet when it's all over. So stand firm. Put the belt of truth around your waist. Put on justice as your breastplate. For shoes on your feet, ready for battle, take the good news of peace. With it all, take the shield of faith. If you've got that, you'll be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. And number 18, pray on every occasion in the Spirit with every type of prayer and intercession. Y'all say every type of prayer and intercession. Okay, so every type of prayer and intercession. All right? I'm going to get to that in just a second, but let's just recap that. So you were blessed with every blessing. You were chosen before the earth was made to be adopted as a son of God or as a daughter of God, irreproachable before him because of the gift of righteousness that Jesus gave you. And now, right now, you are a citizen of heaven. You're a member of God's house. And God tells you, your battle is not here on the earth. It is a spiritual battle. And you are to pray in every occasion in the Spirit with every type of prayer. Amen? So when we think of every type of prayer, there's a lot of different types of prayer. Okay? So what does that mean, every type of prayer? There's asking for things. There's intercession. There's all sorts of different ones. There's a great book uh, written by Benny Hinn. I don't know how you feel about Benny Hinn. Um, but regardless of how you feel about him, he wrote an amazing book. It's called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. It is powerful. It is encouraging. It will strengthen you in so many ways, no matter what background you come from. So if you need a good book, go get Good Morning, Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. But in this book, he talks about five different things that he does in his daily prayer life. So every day he wakes up and he prays in five different ways. And I felt like this was so helpful for me because it's so easy to jump into prayer and you just get stuck asking for things all the time. And it's like before you, before you realize it, all you've done for days is just ask God, ask God, ask God, ask God. Right? That's not a, a relationship. That's just a nagging little child. Okay? So he said every single day, he wakes up, he says, good morning, Holy Spirit. He begins to pray and ask God, and he starts with confession, 
Okay, he confesses, this is who you are. This is what the Bible says you are. He confesses the names of God. He confesses the goodness of God. He confesses the love of God. He confesses who he is in God, in his household. He just goes through the scriptures and confesses, this is truth. This is reality, and I will stand and I will live my life based on these things, on the word of God. So he confesses these things. He confesses his sins, but he primarily confesses, this is who you are and this is who I am. Okay? Confession. The second one is supplication. So he takes a small amount of time to ask for things. And it's only a fifth of what he's spending his time doing. So he confesses, then he says, God, here's what's going on. I got this need. I got this issue. This thing's happening. Come and help me with this. And he doesn't spend a whole lot of time asking for things. The third thing he does is adoration. And so he spends his time just pouring out his love to God through adoration, speaking to God his love of who he is. The fourth one is thanksgiving. And he just thanks God. Thank you for this thing happening in my life. Thank you for this at work. Thank you for very practical things. Thanksgiving. And the last one is praise. And he'll just praise the Lord. He'll jump into what's happening in heaven, and he will give all of his praise to the Lord. Five different ways of prayer that he does on a daily basis. Those are the great. That's not all the different ways. There's lots of different ways. There's lots of different types. There's other ones that are, are, that are commands. There's other ones that are declarations. There's other ones that are asking and seeking. There's all sorts of different prayers. But the two that stuck out this time when I read through Matthew were about binding and loosing. Okay? Say binding and loosing. Now, close your eyes. And what's the very first thing that comes to mind when you think of binding and loosing? Angels. Is there anybody that thinks a little crazy? Like maybe they're like exorcist style. I bind you in Jesus' name. Come out of there, right? Anybody besides me? Am I the only one? <laughs> when I think binding and loosing, that's generally the very first thing that comes to mind. And I think that's a tiny, 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 tiny piece of what binding and loosing is, okay? So if, if you are like me, um, let's get our minds out of the gutter and just recognize that's a tiny piece of what it's all about, okay? So binding and loosing are the two scriptures that jumped out to me this time. I want to explore binding and loosing and recognize it is your right, say right, it is your responsibility, and it is your privilege, okay? So say this with me. Say, binding and loosing is my right, is my privilege, is my responsibility. Good job. Let's do it one more time. Let's get it in our heads. Say, binding and loosing is my right, is my privilege, is my responsibility, as a son and daughter of the King of Kings. Amen? So let's dig into it. I want to equip you today with a very practical tool that you can use in your spiritual endeavors, in your spiritual battles, because your battles are in the heavenlies. Okay? Open up to Matthew chapter 10. Is anybody actually using their Bible today? David, thank you. All right. I'll wait. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. A couple more verses to kind of set the stage, okay? It says this, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority over unclean spirits. Say, gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal every disease and every sickness, okay? So, get our minds in. Jesus has given you authority 
over the enemy. He's given you the ability to pray for healing and sickness and disease. Okay? Go to the next scripture. Matthew chapter 13, verse 11. Jesus says this, You have been given the gift of knowing the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Let that sink in. Jesus gave you the gift of knowing the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Jesus was talking to the disciples about the parables, and they were saying, we don't understand this. And Jesus said, I've given you the gift of being able to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. So that means that all of us have the gift of being able to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. Does that mean that we automatically know all the secrets and understand all the secrets? Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. But what it does mean is that you have the ability to seek him out when there's a secret on his heart and to press in and to find the answers and to understand the secrets on his heart, okay? So you have been given authority and you have been given the gift of knowing the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Next scripture. This is our key scripture, Matthew 16, verses 18 through 19. Matthew 16, verses 18 through 19. This is the first of the verses that really popped out in my, in my mind as I read through this time. Verse 18, it says, And I've got something to tell you, Peter, the rock. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't overpower it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you tie up on earth will have been tied up in heaven. And whatever you untie on earth will have been untied in heaven. Okay? This one stuck out to me. He says, you are Peter, the rock. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell won't overpower it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you tie up on earth will have been tied up in heaven. And whatever you untie on earth will have been untied in heaven. And then check this out. Two chapters later, verse, chapter 18, verses 18 through 20. Jesus says it again. He says, I'm telling you the truth. Whatever you tie up on earth will have been tied up in heaven. And whatever you untie on earth will have been untied in heaven. Again, let me tell you the truth. If two of you come to an agreement on earth about any matter that you, ask, that you want to ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Yes, where two or three come together in my name, I'll be there in the midst of them. Okay? So two times in two chapters, Jesus comes and tells the guys, guys, pay attention. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whoa! So you've been given the authority. You've been given the gift of knowing the secrets. And now you've been given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And immediately connected to it, Jesus begins to talk about binding and loosing, tying up and untying things in the heavenly realms and seeing results on the earth be as a result. And then two chapters later, he reiterates, guys, I'm serious. Whatever you tie up in heaven, it's going to happen here. Whatever you untie on the earth, it's going to happen heaven to earth. Okay? So this is big stuff. This is important stuff. I want you to say it again. Say, binding and loosing is my right, it's my privilege, it's my responsibility. Amen? So Jesus gives authority. He gives the gift of knowing the secrets. He gives the keys to the kingdom of God. And then he double exhorts with that same message of binding and loosing. Now, there's some controversy about binding and loosing, 
I didn't know this until this last week, but I, as I studied, I found there's quite a bit of drama about this, about this scripture. In Matthew, it's the only, only book, a book of the Bible that talks about binding and loosing. It's the only one of the four Gospels where Jesus talks about binding and loosing. And so there's a lot of people who say that it is only directly tied to this principle that the Jews had of binding and loosing. So back in the day, the Pharisees, they would bind and loose the scriptures, okay? So they would look at the law, and they would collectively come together and talk, and they would find gray areas in the law, and they would say, what do we think about this? And if they agreed that something was uh, against the law, then they would bind that specific gray area to the people as a part of the law. So for instance, don't do any work on the Sabbath, okay? Well, if you're gathering firewood and and it's for enjoyment only. It's not to do cooking. It's not to do work. It's only for enjoyment. Is that, is that work or is it enjoyment? Where does that fall inside the line? So they would sit down and they would discuss and they would all debate together. And it's unclear on what the, what the word is. But then they would say, no, it's definitely work. We're going to bind this up as a part of the law and we're going to put it on their shoulders. You must uphold this piece of the law. They would bind it up. And then at the same time, they would look at other things, other gray areas, and they would discuss. You know, 100 years ago, we used to say that this was bad, but I don't know. Joey's been doing it. He seems fine. Like, yeah, let's, let's loose that, that portion of our law. Let's loose it off of people's shoulders. So Jesus talks about this in Matthew 23, verse 4. Jesus said of the rabbis and the Pharisees that they would bind up or tie up heavy, cumbersome loads on the people. And they would put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves were not willing to lift a finger. Do you remember Jesus talking about that? Okay. So when Jesus talks about binding and loosing, the culture understands this idea of binding and loosing. And some people, some scholars say that when Jesus is talking about binding and loosing in these two scriptures, he's specifically saying that he's now taking that authority away from the Pharisees and giving it to the apostles to be able then to discern the gray areas of the law. And then they say that when he says he's giving the keys to the kingdom of heaven, specifically, the only thing that that means is that by preaching the gospel, they are opening the door to the kingdom of heaven. And that by preaching the gospel, based on people's responses, they're either binding people to hell or loosing them into heaven. Okay? Now, here's what I think. I'm not a scholar, and I want you to do your own research and think about it and ask God what you think. I think there's so much more than just those two pieces, okay? Specifically, um, pull out your keys. Anybody have keys on them? Okay, these are my keys to the church. I've got four keys to the church. You know what? Every key opens a different door. How many keys do you have in your keychain? Every key does something specific and unique and different. What did Jesus tell the disciples? He said, I'm giving you the keys, plural. He didn't say key. Jesus didn't say, I'm giving you the one singular key to the kingdom of heaven. That's not what he said. He said, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. If Jesus is specifically giving us multiple keys to the kingdom of heaven, do you think they open different doors? More doors than just simply entering in. Amen? By the way, did y'all like Ashley's message last week? It was awesome. You knocked it out of the park. Thank you for my key. 
Did you know that this key probably opens a lock? Has anybody gone out to find the lock? I guarantee you this will open something in the world. You have been given the key to something if you reach out for it and find it. Amen? So, Jesus gives us the multiple plural keys that open different things. Many doors. All right? So, if there's more to the story of binding and loosing than just one simple key that opens one portion of the Gospels, then What's the meaning of it, and how do we bind and loose practically? As a Christian today, how do you all in this room learn to bind and loose? Say, binding and loosing is my right, is my privilege, is my responsibility. Amen. Okay, one thing we want to pay attention to in these scriptures. You have to pay attention to the order of, of binding and loosing. All right, many, many translations, if you were to open your Bible and not just look at the screen, you would find many translations that make it seem like you do the work on the earth first, and then it happens in heaven, okay? But that is not how the Greek reads. The Greek is clear. The work is done first in the heavenlies, and then the result happens down on the earth. And I like how the kingdom translation speaks of it. He says, whatever you bind on the earth, will have been already done in the heavenlies, okay? So the work is first done in the heavenlies because you are primarily, first and foremost, a spirit being. Say, I'm a spirit being. There's spiritual work to be done. Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read it again. Verse 12, it says this, The warfare we're engaged in, you see, isn't against flesh and blood. It's against the leaders, against the authorities, against the powers that rule the world in this dark age, against the wicked spiritual elements in the heavenly places. Your battle is in the heavenly places. So Paul tells us that your battle is in the heavenly places. Jesus tells us that our work is first done in heaven and then on the earth. It's because it's 100% true that you are primarily a spirit being, all right? Your body is a temporary vessel that holds your spirit, but your body is not you. Who you are is spirit being. Your spirit will last forever and ever and ever and ever. Your body is temporary, and when you pass from this earth, your body will pass too, all right? So with that understanding, then we also have to recognize that every single battle we face is rooted in spiritual issues, okay? Now, if that's true, if every battle we face is in the spirit realm first, we have to think of ourselves as spirit being, and I think we have to think of ourselves the way that God thinks about us. So when Satan looks at you, how does Satan see your spirit in the heavenly realms? When God looks at you, how does he see your spirit in the heavenly realms? When you look at yourself, how do you see your spirit in the heavenly realms? You have to have the right perspective. Because I think when Satan looks at you, most of the cases with most believers across the world, he thinks, oh, thank God. <laughs> Do you know that Satan thanks God? I think you might. Thank God they don't realize who they really are. They don't realize the power and the authority that Jesus already gave them the power over me in every situation, right? So we've got to have that right mindset if we're going to live the way that God really wants us to. <clears throat> who are you in the spirit? God and Satan both see you as a child of God an adopted son and daughter. You are seated currently on the throne. 
next to Jesus with the authority and the power to overcome the enemy and with the keys to lock up or to unlock things in the heavenly realms and the ability to understand the secrets of God's heart. Amen? Okay, so on the earth, who has authority to unlock and to lock up? Well, we do. No, no, but very practically. Get out of your spiritual mindset. Get back to your flesh. Who has authority on the earth to lock people up and to unlock them? What would y'all say? Satan, not Satan. Back to the flesh. Okay, your body, the judge, the police, the sheriff, the prison guard, okay? Very practical. You got to come back to my level. Just super simple. A judge or a sheriff, he's got keys, and he can unlock people. He can bind people up. He can throw them into the jail and lock the door, and they are stuck. And he also has the authority and the power, not because it's his own authority, but because he's given the authority by the governing powers, right, to unlock people and let them go, all right? So in a very practical level, at that level, spiritually, Jesus has given you the same thing, not because of your own authority, but because you are under his authority. You all remember the story of the centurion who caused Jesus to marvel at his faith. The reason he caused Jesus to marvel at his faith was because the centurion understood Jesus was not operating and doing all these amazing things out of his own authority, but because he was under the authority of Jesus, of God, right? Okay, so in a very practical level, you are like a prison guard in the heavenly realms. And when you show up in your spirit as a child of God with the authority of God behind you to do the will of God, you are able to lock up the enemy and to loose the resources and the angels of heaven. Okay? But even better than that, I want us to think about Prince William. All right? If Rachel was here, she'd be thinking about Prince William. You ever heard her talk about her eighth grade... Uh, Crush on Prince William. I'll never live it down. But Prince William, get this. He's the prince of England, right? Second in line to the throne. He has all the resources of the whole country. He has access to every palace inside that kingdom. He gets to live inside the queen's palace. He has his own place. He has his own room. He has his own airplanes. He's got his own houses. He has all the access of that whole kingdom behind him. All the favor, all the anointing, all the authority behind him. And he's a member of the royal force. What do they call it? The royal armed forces. Okay? The British armed forces. So did you know he was a helicopter pilot for search and rescue? And his helicopter, it was called the Sea King Helicopter. How cool is this? So we have a prince, a real prince, with the real authority of that whole kingdom. And he has the authority and the power of the government to go and lock people up. And to go and rescue and find people and save people's lives. To unleash the resources of that kingdom to do the will of the king or the queen. Right? That's more like what you guys are like in the kingdom of God. Like Prince William. Because not only are you a guard, not only are you a sheriff or a, prin or a policeman, but you also are a prince with all the resources of heaven. Amen? So now that we have the right mindset, practically, what do you do? What do your keys open and where? Okay? 
So let's think of the kingdom of heaven. Again, there's controversy with the kingdom of heaven because Jesus only talks about the kingdom of heaven in Matthew. It's not in the other three gospels. And strangely, in, when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, there's places where it communicates that people who are saved are in the kingdom of heaven and people who proclaim to be saved but actually aren't are in the kingdom of heaven. So this is too much theology for my little brain. So we're going to move the concept to more of the kingdom of God, the universal kingdom of God. Inside the universal kingdom of God, there is God's house, heaven, and the heavens where he lives. But there's also heavens, the heavenlies, where the enemy lives, and everything in between, okay? So you have been given authority in the whole kingdom universe of God. And so when you show up, your keys not only work in heaven, but they work throughout the whole heavenlies, good and bad, okay? You've got authority in that whole realm because you are a son of God and you have that authority. Ephesians 6.12, one more time. It says, the warfare you're engaged in, you see, isn't flesh and blood. It's against the leaders, against the authorities, against the powers that rule the world in this dark age, against the wicked spiritual elements in the heavenly places. So you have power. You have authority in those heavenly places. All right? Now, the other good thing about your keys, you've been given keys. They're like a master key. Anybody ever used a master key? Okay. One person. So when I was in Waco, I was on staff at a great church, about 3,000 people, and the building was at least 20,000 feet, maybe closer to 30. So there was doors and locks, tons of doors and locks. Every single office had its own specific lock and key. The auditorium had its own specific set of keys. The youth room had its own set. The children's room, the mini children's room, the baby's room, the garage had its own key. The play area had its own key. The, the shop had its own key. The key to get up on the ladder to go and play on the roof, own key. So dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of keys. So I was on staff. I'd been given authority to work with the youth and to have access to the youth area. So I had one key, and my one key did not open everything, all right? But there was a guy named Scott Robinson, and he had all the keys, big old giant chunk of keys, but he also had the one key. It was a master key, and his one key could open any single door. So when I needed in somewhere, I'd go over to Scott. Scott, hey, buddy, how you doing, man? Uh, can I borrow that key of yours? He'd be like, yeah, sure, and give it to me. I could open anything I wanted to, all right? Jesus has given you something like a master key in the heavenlies. You probably don't understand what all it opens. It takes a lot of work and a lot of diligence to go and find those doors and go and open those doors. But you have been given the keys, all the keys you need to do all the work that you're ever called to do if you will take up your rightful place and use your key. Say binding and loosing. It's my right. It's my privilege. It's my responsibility. All right, so what do you do? What do the keys open? I'm not going to tell you. You have to explore on your own, all right? Because it's an adventure. There's secrets for you to find. Keys that you have that are for specific things that I can't tell you those things. You have to go find it. But my message today is to encourage you to try and take up your place and go use your keys. 
As you do, you have to remember, you are an adopted son and daughter of the king. Jesus gave you the authority in the heavenlies. He's given you the gift of knowing the secrets of the kingdom, and he's given you the master key to do all the work that you need to do in binding and loosing. So for me personally, after reading through Matthew this last time, I've become much more aware of, oh my goodness gracious, Jesus gave me the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What? Like, that's a big deal. That's a huge deal for every believer to understand. You've been given the keys to go and do the work that you're called to do in the heavens first and then on the earth. And so I've started to try to pay attention more and more. And every day I'll, I'll spend five, ten minutes in my car. I'll say, God, I, it's, it's my right. It's my privilege. It's my responsibility as a believer to use these keys that you've given me. And so today, God, what's on your heart? What do you want me to bind up and what do you want me to loose? And I'll go into the spirit realm in my car, and I'll just start to bind up and loose. I'll start to lock up and I'll unlock different things that the Lord puts on my heart regarding my family, regarding the church, regarding my job, regarding finances, regarding health, whatever it is. I'll just ask God, and I'll spend a quick moment, bind up and loose with the right mindset of this is who Jesus says I am. So I'm going to step in that place, and I'm going to use this key that he's given me to the kingdom of heaven. And guess what? It works. <laughs> it works. <laughs> For the last several weeks I've ever like really been trying, I'm blown away. I'm like, holy smokes. Oh my gosh. Like I'll get overwhelmed at how much it's working, right? So I try to partner with him and I exercise my authority through binding and loosing, and by golly, it works. <laughs> Say it with me. Let's stand up this time. You're on the home stretch here. Stand up with me. Say, binding and loosing, it's my right. It's my privilege. It's my responsibility. Let's say it one more time. Say, binding and loosing, it is my right. It is my privilege. It is my responsibility. So here's what I want us to do. I want you to take a moment while you're standing there. And just close your eyes and begin to ask the Lord, what's something that you need to begin to bind or loose today? Something with your family, something with your friends, something with your job or your finances, whatever situation. What battle are you facing right now that Jesus has already given you the authority? He's already given you the keys. He's already given you what you need. You just need to take your place and you need to use that key to bind and loose. Close your eyes and think about it. What is it, God? What's on your heart for me to bind and loose today? Hope you have at least one thing. So now I want you to enter into the spirit realm. You can close your eyes. Focus on the Lord. You can use your imagination to help you get there. Enter into the spirit realm. You're going to ask God what his heart is on the matter. What do you think about this situation? After you feel like you know what he's saying about it, you need to ask him, what am I supposed to bind up or loose? 
in this situation. And then I want you to imagine yourself. This helps me, and maybe it'll help you. Sometimes I'll just imagine myself like a guard, and I've got a big old stack of keys, and I'll walk right up to that prison cell, and I'll stick the key in the door, and I'll open the door, and I'll throw the enemy in there, and I'll lock up whatever it is. Then I'll move to another door. Maybe it's the resources door for something that you're going through. And I'll stick the key in the door, and I'll open the door, and I will loose, I will unlock, I will unleash whatever resources that have been given to me in that situation. And then I declare these things out loud based on my authority because of not what I've done, but only based on my relational position as a son or daughter of the King of Kings, irreproachable because of the gift of righteousness. I'll declare it out loud. Okay? So I want you guys to start trying that this week. Here's how we're going to end. Matthew 18, 18 through 20. I'm telling you the truth. Whatever you tie up on earth will have been tied up in heaven. Whatever you untie on earth will have been untied in heaven. Again, let me tell you the truth. If two of you come to an agreement on the earth about any matter that you want to ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Yes, where two or three come together in my name, I'll be there in the midst of them. So I want us to stand on that scripture. I want us to practice tying, binding and loosing. So I want you to find a partner. Hopefully one person, maybe two people, find a partner and ask them, what in your life do you want prayer for? What's your battle right now? And then I want you to ask God how you can bind up or loose things in their life, okay?